Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the first episode of the newest show on the FHN Network, Pop Topic. I'm your host, Tyler Fines, and I would like to wish everyone a happy 2021. Not quite starting out, and doesn't look like it might be the savior from 2020, but we're hoping for a drastic turnaround over the next couple of months. Pop Topic is brought to you by Dr. T's in Barrie, 69 Dunlop Street West. Looking for new swag? Dr. T's has got you covered. Our first guest to join the show has been nominated for six Juno Awards and won four of them, including being a part of one of the greatest Canadian hip-hop anthems of all time, Northern Touch, one of my favorite songs. His new single, One Day Away, is out now and can be found on iTunes and Spotify. Please welcome the legendary Canadian hip-hop artist, Kareem Blake, a.k.a. Shaw Claire. What's going on? Hey, what's up, what's up? How you doing? How are you? Oh, we're we're great. I'm I'm fired up. I'm a little uh, like a little fanboy right now. Really excited about this. Been a huge fan for a long time, and uh, really appreciate you jumping on a small show like this to help get us started. Oh, this is your inaugural show, so you know definitely got to do it in a big way. So I'm uh, I'm definitely happy to be a part of it. Well, thank again for coming on. And uh, what have you been doing during these COVID times? Uh, man, I've been doing a lot of things that uh, a city kid would never be doing, ultimately, <laughs> uh, which is going in the woods, looking at moose, watching the bears, going kayaking, ice fishing. I just got an ice hut, tenting and sleeping on an island in the middle of a lake, like just weird stuff that I'm not used to, but I've definitely grown a fondness to doing i really appreciate it because um you know with all the madness and everything being locked down uh just going out and enjoying the you know the beautiful canadian outdoors has been going really well and um and then that's what we did actually in that backdraft video we just wanted to show some of that stuff as well so i've just been trying to find the best way to go and still be able to communicate with friends and stuff in an outdoor in a safe setting and uh and experiencing things that i haven't done really ever really yeah there's not listen. There's not a lot of personal stuff on the internet about you. Are you married? You got kids? Yeah, uh, I got kids. Definitely, I'm separated. Um, but uh, uh, I got a great family. Um, yeah, I keep it all pretty much really tight. You know, like uh, you know, out on out online, I do more of my things online. It's just more about me um, and my music and the business life. Um, I'm one of those guys that you know, like you won't see me there ranting and raving about what my friend did last night at the bar uh, on Facebook or Twitter. I, I keep my stuff to my stuff, but I publicly put out all the Shockler stuff so people can hear. That's great. So what kind of dro- drove you to go to get outside and test the new, the outdoors. And again, you grew up in Scarborough, so it wasn't, I'm sure there wasn't a ton of, ton of that going on when you're growing up. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was my friend, Dan, uh, who works with me, my partner in the business and everything. And uh, that's what he does. He's from, uh, he's from a small town like this out here in Brockville and um that's what he would do and uh so he kind of put me up into new experiences and um and I've just been uh enjoying it as it's been going on and uh learning new things and uh getting new experiences and uh it definitely passed us at the time and uh yeah I just I just enjoy it so like you said yeah in Scarborough we don't really do that we go to camp like camps like your mom (laughs) or your dad or your parents might send you off to like a three day, a weekend camp or something like that or something where, you know, you go and do that. But uh, we actually just go out and figure life out in the middle of the bush. It's kind of crazy, but it's, it's great. Great Canadian outdoors. Love it. 
That's great. Well, one of the things that uh, that I wanted to ask you was uh, growing up in Scarborough was kind of where you got your inspiration for your music and and how did you get started uh, down this path of being you know one of Canada's most uh, recognizable icons. Uh, well, my older brother, uh, my older brother, he went by Livy B back in the day. Uh, he was the guy on the block all the time. Like he was into the hip hop and rapping and battling people from this part and that part of where we grew up. Uh, in Scarborough, right at Markham, between Markham and Eglinton and Lawrence, and then we moved to Malvern right after that. Uh, but everybody knew him as the rapper on the block, and he uh, used to play uh, CKLN Power Move Show every Saturday, uh, one to four. I think that was before we started getting Flow and G98 and stuff like that. Any type of radio station that gives us hip hop music or whatever, because they didn't play it before. That's where you got your hip hop was on 88.1 CKLN or the Power Move show on 89.5 on Saturdays. Oh, wow. I forgot about the Power Move. Yeah. So we used to listen to that every Saturday. Saturday, 1 to 4, I'm forgetting the time. It was either like 7 to 10 or whatever time it was. But we used to listen to it all the time. And uh, he would rap around stuff. And then uh, we went to a party in our neighborhood one time. And um, I was practicing just doing whatever, being influenced by him. And uh, somebody asked me, hey, yo, they would call me Junior. They'd be like, Junior, you're going to go up there and go and rap like your brother? And I went up there and I just did whatever I was kind of messing with at the time. And uh, and then somebody just said, yo, man, you know, you're good. You should, you're good. And then I just stayed at it and I just continued to keep writing. And that's kind of was my birth into getting into it. But uh, definitely it was my older brother. Livy B and Eddie Murphy raw because I was like this guy's on stage making everybody laugh and he's telling jokes man if I can put some entertainment and music I could be on stage doing the same thing too so those two Eddie Murphy raw and my older brother were the things that influenced me to get into entertainment was on stage like a natural thing for you or something that you had to practice well I think as anybody who um really you know like when you get into that thing you know you hold the well, as you can see, I have no hair. So when you hold the <laughs> hairbrush and you use it as a microphone, <laughs> you know, a lot of people when they, even when they're mimicking their, their, their idols and stars, you know, they practice in the mirror. And I remember rapping in the mirror and doing whichever and pretending, oh, you know, I, what was it? George Michael's Monkey, if you remember that song from way back then. Oh, uh, that's a, I was going to say, that's a way back. That's a way back. But uh, I remember because it was one of the live videos and all the old rock videos back in like the early 90s late 80s or whatever they're always like live like if you watch living on the prayer from bon jovi it was like a live type concert if you watched guns and roses paradise city it was a live concert so watching all these things kind of made me feel and pre- uh, prepared me to go and do live shows type thing but when i actually went and got on stage and started performing uh for myself as an artist it got a little bit nervous at first but then uh, I forgot who told me, which sucks, but uh, one of the things that reminded me was that they told me, take that nervousness and turn it into adrenaline. And then there's people okay. here that are there to see you, so show them why they're there to see you. And the people that are there that don't know you, uh, because they're there for another artist or something like that, show them why they need to know you. And then that's what kind of gets got into me, and I use that. Uh, as like, you know, as my energy driver to go and make sure that when I go on stage, I don't get nervous. I just more get into a situation of, I'm going to show you. This is why you're going to buy my record later. This is why you're going to leave and say chocolate was good. And I just kind of put it 
into my soul and I just expand it to the audience watching. I love that. And and one of the things that you said, just mentioning the word practice was what's always intrigued me about hip hop artists is, is just the, the execution, the flow. But what I've, I've never been able to really figure out or ask anyone is, you know, if you want to perfect the skill, you got to practice it. Rhyming hip hop is a, is a skill. How do you, like, how do you make the, I guess, make the words flow? Like, what really, I guess, was in your your head and how did it come out? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, like just what made it, made the, uh, all the lyrics spit out for you? Um, well, okay. So, and like, when I was coming up and starting to rap and everything, you know, like they do battles now, but it was always yeah. freestyle. Freestyle battles are, are one of my favorite. I love freestyle battles. Huge fan. Yeah. Uh, so got that's, the gutsy bishop live at the old NRG nightclub. Not sure if you ever made your way through yeah, there. Yeah, NRG. I remember being there. Uh, oh being, shoot! Okay, I'll oh, touch I on that later. That. I remember there was an escalator in that place or something like that. <laughs> there's yeah, there's a big group of stairs there. The owner was actually from Orangeville, Ontario, where I grew up. Tony Murata. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, I remember going to NRG. Um, the thing is, is that I think it was the freestyle battles because okay. I used to have people in my school. I went to Pope John Paul in Scarborough. And uh, people would come because when there was like rappers from different schools, like West Hill was just up the street. Mother Teresa was just over there. And then you had Pickering and then you had Dunbarton, which one of my really good friends, Naja Kreft, um, uh, he was there and he had a crew there. And I just always remember people would be, they would say like, oh, there's a rapper in this school. So then usually at the end of the day, like, you know, when school's about to, and and people had uh spares and stuff like that if that's what they still call them um they would come to your school and they would just go and be in the school and we all knew who wasn't there because either they were uh wasn't didn't go there because either they were wearing a different school uniform or they weren't in uniform uh so we knew they weren't as we called us uh, ourselves popers there was just a bunch of kids up in the front of the school saying we heard you have a rapper in the school and then i was the rapper in the school i had crew and you were the guy (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, but it was I wasn't really the guy. I had other rappers. We were kind of like a, a school group. Okay. Um, um, but I don't know for whatever reason my name stuck out. And when they asked where the rappers, they came to my class. I remember. I think it was in biology. <laughs> and you get the knock, and then somebody's like, "Yo, there's people here, whatever." And then you would just leave your class. Like it was like life to us. It's still life uh-huh. to us. But we would just teach her regard. Like they couldn't stop you. But we would just. I just walk out the class. And then everybody crazy. <laughs> that knew who I was and that I was rapping in the school, that whole class would leave the class, like the class was just empty. And then we go down in the back where the gymnasium was, where the parking lot was, and there would be the whoever from whatever school. And they would come with uh, whoever they had. Damn. Kind of like an episode of Step Up. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were, um, there was uh you know, like, so then there's all these people from whatever school that showed up, uh, they would go and, uh, and, um, and meet up with us over there. And then you would just have to go and freestyle. Like it just turned into a huge cipher. So I think that is what kind of made you because, you know, nowadays people, they set up for battles, you know, it's like a boxing match. It's like, you're going to battle so-and-so on this date. So then you got two months or something like that to go and, um, you know, research the guy, find out about him and go and use whatever. Where I didn't even know who the guy was that was coming to my school to battle me, but you just had to go and just off the top of your head look at him, his friends, his car, his whip, his whatever, if his girl was there, whatever was going on, 
and create stuff on the spot to go and say yeah. stuff. And then that is kind of what made me get into mm-hmm. uh, the way that I f- kind of flow and rap because, um, you know, people could be like, you know, hat, bat, sat, rat, cat. <laughs> and some people would come in like that way, but I would rather be fluid on the beat. I don't want to come in the same because I know how you're going to come or I at least think I know how you're going to come back then. Now flows are different compared to what it was like back in those days. Um, so I would try to come different and then being that way and uh, battling in that type of style, freestyle off the top. So you're thinking about your flow. You're thinking about the way the words that you're rapping and all that. So all these three things, plus you don't even know who this guy is. You don't even know if all these guys are going to brawl with you after you freestyle and if you beat them. Or if they beat me and my friends were in, you know, like were like upset that they beat you didn't know what was gonna happen, but you just had to get in the moment. And that's kind of what helped put me into a moment to go and be like, when I'm sitting there writing songs like Let's Ride or Rub In or something like that, I'm always thinking about the situations I was in that brought me to the part that I was to be writing songs like that. Yeah, so before you got into Let's Ride and Robin, uh, you know, Shaw, the name Shaw Claire, did, have you, was it always been Shaw Claire? Did you have a name before that, that you kind of was like, no, this is the one I'm going with? Uh, yeah, I was, um, I was Special K, the studio. Special K. <laughs> and then, but then there was a lot of, there was a lot of Special Ks out there. Yeah. So, because I remember there was a Special K, but I was Special K, and then I became Kyram B, which was a switch off my name. Of course. Uh, my real name and then um and then one time i went out with a bunch of friends at school and they went and they met up all these girls and these were like the cool kids i don't even know how i was invited i was like not part of the cool kids i was cool with the kids that weren't the cool kids i was kind of in the middle of purgatory between cool kids and non-cool okay, kids okay. yeah you know and um somehow some way i got invited to go to scarborough town center with these guys and they met up with all these super hot girls that would never talk to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See me now, boys. <laughs> yeah, crazy, and, uh, and then the next day at school, um, they're on the phones in the back by the gymnasium where we would always battle when people would come to school and they put me on the phone. They're like, Oh yeah, we met up with all these girls. And then I went out on the phone and the girls that are on the phone, they were asking which guy I was that was there last night because clearly nobody knew remembered my name i guess i didn't make a good impression or something like that uh, so they're asking me who i was and whatever and i was saying i was uh you know i was the dark they'd be like were you the light-skinned guy i was like no i was like i wasn't the chubby guy they're like no i was like i was a dark-skinned guy and then the guy's there because they're trying to rip me you know like give me a you know you know just kind of give me a hard time like, yeah the chocolate guy and i was like yeah chocolate is light as air and then, oh, yeah, and then right after that, uh, my friend took the phone from me. And then we go to this area in Pope John Paul that was called The Pit. And he went there and he's like, you know, Special K tried to pick up my girl. He lowered his voice like Barry White started calling them, telling the girls that he was shocked, clear as light as air. And they were mocking me about my yeah. name. And then I just kept it. And then I became shocked, clear. And then, um, and then, uh, because the shot Claire was cool at that point. So they tried to twist it up and they're like, oh, you're not a shot player. You're like, she's not clear. This is not came from and all that. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, you know why you call me just not clear? They're like, why, why, why? I was like, because when your girl walks by, your friend said, she has knocked it. <laughs> so that's 
So that's how that's I became crazy. sexual chisnocklet chocolate that's, ill flowed. That's, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. That's now that's how you get a name. Now now all of a sudden you you you've got some talent. You've realized I'm good at this. You know, talk about your big break because when you're an artist, you know, got people always talk about that that first meeting or that first show when someone walks up to you and says, "You're good." let's have a conversation to make, to, to make this real. You know, can you remember that first time when you, when you got that opportunity? Yeah. Well, the first time that it actually really happened, I was in the studio, I was working with socks and Cardi. We were all just, this is like 94 or something like that. And we were all like working on whatever we would go to the studio. All of us would go to the studio all the time. And how old are you at the yeah. time? How old are you at the time about with, with all of you? How old? We're like, 16, 17. So you're grinding I'm early, younger. though. You're grinding at this early. Like, you know, like, I got some talent. I want to get on this right away. Well, I didn't really know what what was going on. But what I did know was I was in the studio paying Socrates because I met him through my friend that I went to high school with, Ramon, Charles. And he went and was living in this neighborhood that Socrates was living in. And Socrates was doing, he had, like, this single deal with this record, which is Plato record, but uh, it was called Stepping Bigger at the time. And he had his song called Tuesday and still caught up on mm-hmm. vinyl uh, that was out at that point. And um, so he was, a pre- and we liked the song, like he was good, but he, he made his own beats. So I went and I linked up with him. And, uh, and then we just started recording and recording. And um, at one point I used to send my demos in, like cassettes and stuff like that into the record companies, but you know, they never would listen to them. Nobody listened to them. Mm-hmm. You know, they just get it and they probably got, a, you know, another 50 at the same time. And I know that they were just going in the garbage. And me and my manager at the time, he wasn't my manager at the time, but uh, me and Day, who was the producer at the time, just said, I said to him, I said, man, we should just do this. Because unless you know somebody or have an in, nobody's going to listen to you. Nobody's going to take you serious, you know, like they're just not. And he called me the next day and said, were you serious about what you said? And I said, yeah. And within six weeks of that day, we started up knee-deep entertainment mm-hmm. and then from there socrates because socrates was out and i was working with socks i almost gave up on rap at that point i was going to oh. be a record company guy because okay. i was like i'll just put out records and we had socks and he had this song called father time that day produced for him mm-hmm. and back then you know for a vinyl single we were, we were like well what's going to be the b-side because there's always a b-side on the vinyl you know and uh so i recorded 21 years and then Father Time, and then I would put it on the vinyl. But we were mm. pushing Father Time because, you know, we thought it was a stronger song and you know, just all that stuff. Father Time took off. It got wow. socks, socks signed to Warner Brothers. He was doing for, I think, the, the, the Batman that Arnold Schwarzenegger was in, Mr. Freeze. He had a song called Freeze. He was doing whatever. And I remember listening to 88.1 on a Saturday with DJ X. Um, somebody called into the radio station. I was just happened to be listening it listening to it. And someone said, um, you know, that Father Time record is really good, but you guys really need to check out that B-side, which was 21 years. And then I remember DJ X saying, he's like, you know what? You're right. Because Father Time, yeah, but we really should give this other song a listen. And then they started playing 21 years. Just some random guy called in and told wow, him. Wow, crazy. And then they started playing 21 years. And then DJ probably saw, it was probably it Socrates. Probably called for you. He probably called, just threw it under the bus. Like, yeah. <laughs> From this day, I still don't know who that is. That's awesome. But whoever did it, it was good because that was the push, you know, the little nudge that somebody needed. Then he started playing 21 years. It got big. DJ Premier put it on his Reality Check 101 album. 
and this, and then it went over. And now we're knee deep entertainment and we have no artists. We're, I'm a record guy. I just put a B side because we needed to fill another side of the vinyl. So then I went and I did What It Takes with Julie Black mm-hmm. and just a second on the other side. And then that song went on to go and win my first Juno. Yep. And then we're not, then everybody's looking at me. He's like, I guess you're the artist now. And I was like, I guess I am. And there, and so that was my big thing right there. Yeah, no, that's crazy. So you, Cardinal, Socrates, you guys grew up together. And actually, Socrates has one of my, uh, an underrated song that I love, by the way, Coming Up, which a lot of people don't even know about. Yeah, there coming you go, up, right? That's a cute, one of my favorite songs, great beat. Just shout to Socrates. I hope I get him on one day. But um, but for you, like, how did you, so you guys are now a crew. You know, I want to quickly just touch about, talk about Northern Touch before we go back into speaking about uh, a couple of my favorite songs from you. But Northern Touch is one of Canada's, anthems it is the anthem you know when you guys wrote this how did it all come together uh literally i was working i was i started at a summer job at the back of mother Teresa high school which was a daycare that was called mother of compassion um i started working there my mom was working there and she got me a summer job um so i was a daycare teacher on a summer job and then um they asked me to stay on because in the nineties, there was a lot of like, you know, young teenage pregnancies going on. So they're like, they actually had the daycare attached to the high school. And a lot of the kids in that high school, uh, a lot of kids in that daycare went to the high school. So and there were all a lot of single mothers, just whatever was going on in the nineties at that point, that's what was happening. They asked me to stay on. So I stayed on. So I would leave from my high school um, and go straight to work. My school ended at 2.30. I started work at 3 at Mother Teresa. Good thing it was only like 10, 15 minutes away. And I had a 1982 Lynx with a rusted floor and a bad muffler. But I got there on time. Uh, and then um, and then that's kind of like what I was doing. And then Saul Guy, who was managing the Rascals at the time, yep. they actually called me at work. Like, you know, everybody right now, they call you on your cell phone. Yeah. They actually mm-hmm. called and my boss came and said, uh shocks you have a phone call i was like well who's calling me at work and then i went and i answered and it was big c and saw guy and they said yo we just did this track with the rascals there's this new guy named checkmate that's on it it's already placed out we send the tapes to toronto we're going to get you and thrust on it would you like to go and report on this track i said okay yeah sure when are we going to do it we worked out the day the schedule they went there and then me and me cardi sock solitaire rogue dollar all of us we always went to each other's studio sessions all the time. We just, whoever's picking up, who are you picking up? I'm picking up this, I'm picking up them, whatever. We all went to each other. So when I went to go and do that track in studio, I had Cardi with me. I was like, Cardi, I'm going to the studio to do this track with the Rascals and this new guy named Checkmate and blah, 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 blah. And for us. So we all went to the studio. So we go to the studio. I remember meeting Mastermind in the parking lot. The studio was like Bathurst and Queen. I believe it was Bathurst and Queen. Mm-hmm. And um, then we went in. Uh, to go and record the track. Back then, everybody wanted to be last. Everybody. So okay. the Rascals were first already, and Checkmate was already third. So me and Thrust did rock, paper, scissors to see who would go last. And I lost. <laughs> so he went last. That's why I'm second. <laughs> wow. I, I couldn't see it going any differently, to be honest with you. I just couldn't picture the song like like interchanging. And that was one of the questions I was going to ask about the song is, how did you decide which order to go in? But I guess that answers my question. Literally rock, paper, scissors. I lost. So wow. Thrust went last. And then Cardi's there. So I had did my part. Thrust did his part. And then we were working on the hook. 
And uh, Cardi was, I remember he was sick too. Cardi had a, like a cold or whatever he had. He was just sneezing, coughing. He wasn't feeling well. And uh, I was writing a hook and then Cardi came in and he was helping me write this hook. And then we were just like, we need that energy. And we said, Cardi, go in there. And I remember as I think, this is him with his towel. He's like, okay. I can't even sing. (laughs) (laughs) But he pulled it off. And then we went in and then we did it. And then we sent it back to whichever, uh, to the Rascals and them. Uh, And then we found out that they wanted to reprint their Cash Crop album and put it on it because Cash Crop, their album was out already. I believe Dreaded Fist was on that record. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we went and put it on there. And they were re-releasing it. And then all of a sudden, DMX comes out with Where My Dog's At. Mm. Exact same beat, exact same everything at the exact same time. And at that point, we were like, oh, man, you know, because they weren't really feeling, it's not that they weren't feeling it, but they weren't supporting rappers from Canada like that. And DMX, like we knew. He was was huge then. Yeah, well, this was his first record, but he was bubbling beforehand. Um, And then that was his big signal for single for his first album. And here we come, exact same time, December 1997 is when the record came out. Uh, and then really though, January 98, when it really started flowing and uh, we were kind of worried about DMX would you know, steal all the air out of the room. But uh, what ended up happening was the people here, they loved the song, they liked it. And you know, it became one of, I won't even say in Canadian hip hop, in Canadian music period, that's how the song Northern Touch came together. And and then here we go. <laughs> oh, such a recognizable beat. And, and the lyrics in it are crazy. Uh, and again, it's still on my iPod. I listen to it pretty much whenever day I'm in the car. And, you know, whether it's that or, you know, there's such so many great Canadian artists out there that didn't get recognized. But you guys were the pillars. Like, I mean, you were the ones that got the Canadian music industry, I would say, relevant in hip hop. I don't know if you agree or not, but I think that's it's pretty relevant to say. Yeah, well, you know, the only thing is that I, what I would say is that it definitely wasn't just us. Like, Fair it was us yeah, on the true. song. But at that point, we were starting to, you know, we knew, like, all the rappers that were out there, like Infinite, Ghetto Concept, Citizen Kane, uh, Brass Monk, you name it. We all knew each other. We were all striving for the same thing. Um and uh, and we we're all influenced by each other because we were all fans of each other's music. Like Boiling Point by Concrete Mob, big up to Deuce Deuce out there. <laughs> that that's one of my favorite Canadian hip hop songs of all time. I tell him that all the time. He always sits and be like, "Shock, stop!" I'm like, "Yeah, man, no, Boiling Point, yo, that's the joint." I tell Maestro all the time when I see him. He's like, "Man, I can't even remember how old I was, but I was walking over the bridge on Markham Road, and you were going into Cut Creator, and I saw all these green Pathfinders come out, and all I saw was." orange dope state jackets going into Cup Creator. <laughs> Cup Creator was like one of the first places yep. where you could get designs and everything in your head. Okay, so yeah. That, that's where it was. And I remember, because I lived right there and I would see him and I was like, man, I used to sit, I'm like, maestro, yo, that's maestro. And then now that me and him are so cool, it's kind of like uh, surreal, surreal for me because I'm like, I was a huge fan of maestro. I'm still in, but now we're friends. Like I could text him and he'll call me back. Like, you know, like it is a crazy thing. So, um, so yeah, that song did do a lot, but there was a lot of influence from others that were doing a lot in the industry at the time as well. It just happened to be us five guys that had that song. 
There's a lot. Of people I definitely really want to talk about the music industry and, and kind of where it's gone now in Canada with so many huge artists taking over the top of the billboard charts, which uh, to be honest with you, I never thought I'd ever see, but it's great. I want to quickly touch on, uh, on let's ride rubbing that kind of, you know, making those tracks. Uh, let's ride again. One of my favorite songs, the minute you hear the piano right off the bat, you know, it's coming. I love the song. What, uh, you know, talk about kind of the creative process between, uh, you know, with let's ride who brought it to you. Okay, so it's a, it's a I'll try and keep it short, but it's a it's a, so so Carter now with me again like we were saying we would all hang out together me socks Cardi Solitaire Road Dollar Julie Black all of us all of us were always together for whatever whatever we were doing that's who we went out with it was like we're going to the government uh, not the provincial or state government the club the government down oh i know the club government yeah. <laughs> just for everybody else out there that may not know what that place was we were going to the government and i remember i forgot what happened probably one of us didn't have enough to get in and something like that we were all broke and uh, <laughs> we didn't have enough to get in so we were in the parking lot and we were like two cars parked like this i was in this car in the passenger seat socks was in the front and then there's a car i forget where cardi was sitting but there was two cars parked like this and so we would go and be like here's socks we just go and give him their beat cassette his beat cassette and cardi would give us his beat cassette and we would play it in the car and just skip skip songs for whatever we like and i like the let's ride beat so i said to cardi i go cardi i like this beat let me go and rock on this now cardinal always calls me chocolate latte for short <laughs> yeah so he'd be like latte this beat seems a little fast do you think you can rock that i said man give me this beat let me go and try and do something on it so he goes to socks. He goes, yo, since you guys are Scott, because everybody else is West End, right? They're from Eglinton West, Etobicoke, downtown, yep. whatever. It was me, socks and road dollar were the only ones from, from Scarborough. And the other seven men were from West of young street. <laughs> and so, yeah, oh yeah. And so, um, so he goes to Cardi, uh, Cardi goes to socks. He says, yo, um, make sure you're in the studio with this guy because he doesn't do any voiceovers to make sure that he actually rapped on this beat. And then out of all of that came out, that's why Socrates is at the beginning of Let's Ride. Yep. Because it was a it was like a challenge between me and Cardi because he wanted to he thought the beat was too fast and I couldn't keep up. And he told Socks to make sure he was there. So when I went to record it, Socks was there, but then I had all of this beginning part and then i said socks go and say something at the beginning of the track yep. which he did and that's why socks is on that's right and we did it in 1997 okay. 1997 and then when there was interest with me getting signed to virgin which took about a year and a half to actually happen um the guy who was going to sign me his name was russ herbert he told me because he heard the song and he heard some other songs he said i don't care whatever you put out from now until we release your first record and i was like well one second he's like just trust me which i did and he came through. I owe a lot to Russ Hergert. Big up to Russ Hergert. He went on to become the vice president of Virgin Urban in England and wow, France crazy. and whatever, like Europe or yeah. something. He went on after this record. Everybody that came off of this record got promotions, got their own. <laughs> this, that, that. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Everyone got a paycheck. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but he told me, don't put it, don't put it out. Let me put it out. So I held on to that song from 1997 till 1999, September. And then we um, went and got Little X, where Little X's first video was what it takes when he stopped, when he started working with Hype Williams. His very first video, because nobody wanted to get a Canadian director mm. on it because they all thought we were B-rated. Yeah. So we went and put him on because we knew him from time. So we put him on there. So that was his first video. 
And then he returned the favor and did the video for Let's Ride and we did it. And then Let's Ride became what it came. And uh, yeah, but that song when it came out in September of 99 was recorded in May of 97. And, and, Ethan, and he you, told you to sit on it. That's crazy. He said, it. And no that's way, why I don't know how you do that. You got, well, you got, a, you got a bona fide hit. Yep, but that's why Flagrant came out with Socrates um, that produced it. Bear Witness with me, Rest in Peace, Guru from Gangstar came out. And then came Let's Ride. And we were still doing our little knee-deep releases. We had Mad Fiber. We had things. we Because we put out Hustling by Cardinal. And, yep on with the show and Julie Black's rallying and Socks is this and Danny O's that and we were still putting out records but they said don't put out that record save it for me which we did and then he did what he said he would do and that's right became what it became crazy when you when you listen to a song for the first time all right and I know you've, you've made a lot of songs in the past but you hear a song and it stops playing well how do you know it's a hit like how do you know like that this one is going to be big did you get that feeling with Let's Ride? Yes, I did. Because I had a real hard-ass friend. Like, uh, and when I mean hard-ass, like he was very critical of uh, the music. And he was actually Sox's manager at the time. There was okay. nothing pleasing him. He was like, you know, into the Red Mans, the Wu-Tangs, the Mob Deeps, the, you know, he's a street dude, so he liked harder music, like he, you know, like everybody liked, you know, Diddy and those stuff, like at the time, but he was into the hard stuff, Yeah, and he was Sox's manager, and I remember one time, uh, I forgot why, but he was in my car, and I was driving on the Don Valley Parkway to take him somewhere, I can't remember where, and I was like, hey, yo, me, Cardi, and Socks just did this song. You want to check this out? And he said, yeah, okay, play it. And I, I hated playing him songs because he'd always <laughs> like, yeah, so. shoot everything down. Yeah, like that, that he was the shoot down guy. He was the shoot down king. Call him that. You need those SD. guys, though. They gotta, they need, you need those guys. Yeah, he was the SDK. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I played him the song, and he's like, this song is good. He's like, I like it, actually. Oh, that's nice. as much of the love that he gave me on that. But at that point, because I knew who he was and how he was, I was like, oh, he must really like it. Yeah. And uh, that was my first time saying, okay, uh, this might be something. And But then I was so young. I didn't know anything. I had no experience in the music with the exception of just me freelance, not even freelancing, just freestyling, putting songs out for other people. Because remember, at this time, I was not even trying to be a rapper anymore. I was trying to be a record guy. The only reason why I kept putting out records was because we never signed no artists. And I was the only guy that knew how to rap and make music. So we're like, we're a record label and we have no artists. Well, I'll just put <laughs> out music. <laughs> I'll just put on music until we find the artists. That's kind of how we started the network, to be honest with you, with <laughs> FHN. Like we've got, we're like, well, let's we got a network, but we don't have any artists. I guess I got to be the host to start, and then we started bringing more guys in. That's kind of what we're developing here. So I understand completely where you're coming from. But you know, so you guys, so you laid a song out, "Ice Cold Winds of Juno," I believe in 2000, which is fantastic. So you got four Juno awards, you know. But since 2000, a lot has changed in the music industry. It's 2021. People are streaming. Uh, I want to quickly touch on that. You know, what do you think about streaming do you think it's helped the artist um or do you think it's kind of hurt the industry there's a kind of little bit of both you can you, you can sit on the fence on this one you're allowed to yeah because it's it has its pros and cons it 
it helps because everybody, you know, like almost everybody, I think I just was reading something. There's like 300 million subscribers to Spotify. And I'm sure there's however many to title and all these other streaming services. And it's, and it's almost just anybody. It's like, like my mom who still wants to fill out the withdrawal slip when she goes to the bank (laughs) has Spotify. She doesn't do anything digital except for her Spotify. She goes, Alexa, play Spotify, you know, uh, Pat Boone. And then she listens to her music. So that is the good thing about it because it's accessible to everybody. You know, like they could just hear something. Maybe it's in a playlist. Maybe they're in a restaurant and then you have your Shazams and then you can push it. Oh, what song is this? And you push your Shazam and then you find out what song it is and, and you like it, add it to your playlist, buy it, whatever you do with it. I think it floods the market a lot. So where you had like it or not, I'm not here to say this side or that side, but like it or not, when you had A&Rs and they were filtering all the music that were coming, which sucked for some because there was artists that probably should have been heard, but somebody just didn't get or connect with the music that they were doing. Mm -hmm. And they were like, I don't get it. So they didn't listen to it. But there was filters to be like, you know, like what's good, what's going to be sustainable, what's just going to be a hit for today, what can be, this guy's got potential and keep going and keep going, we're going to, this guy can go, uh, you know, like an usher. An usher was signed before he got big. He was, he put out two or two records before he, he mm-hmm. actually got big. That's right. You know, like he was out there, but they, they nurtured him. Justin Bieber, the same situation. He was signed to usher and then he did whatever and then put, um, you know, so... I think, though, because of that, now you have everybody just throwing music into the everything, you know, like into the atmosphere. So it's hard. There could be a lot of junk, depending on what you consider junk or the audience consider junk, compared to what is actually like great music or whatever. So you're in the same bucket and it's harder for people to go and decipher, you know, like what's good and what's not, because you have a whole bunch of things. It's like going gold looking for gold it's like you know you just have a thing full of sand it's harder to shake out the sand and find the nuggets you know whatever your nuggets whatever type of music that you are into and uh, i think that is what the situation is because there's really no filter there probably shouldn't be a filter but as we get used to more just being bombarded with you know like every week there's probably thousands of songs that come out every week yeah, probably even every day new new singles um, new artists one one offs or the rebecca blacks or the fridays of the world that you know put guys that actually put me make music for a living you know someone streams start streaming this song because it's so bad it actually is better than someone that's actually making real music and you know that exactly. for me is, is the tough part right but but then you get guys like justin bieber who you know was just a youtube star back then he was a canadian and all of a sudden now you got the weekend drake i mean alicia cara all these great canadian artists that's got to feel good to know that you know what you were kind of the the start of these guys but man i wish i could have made their money <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, it does feel good to see um to see all these canadian artists i think we're like it's a lot of canadian artists on the top of the charts right now yeah. Uh, it's great to see that happen. It's really great. Um, I will say, though, it would be great to see some of these artists um, uh, from Canada that are out there and are doing really well. To And it's not just hip-hop, just even in just Canadian music, whether it's the Arkells or if it's uh, Simple Plan or something. Like, country artists. So I acknowledge yeah. back to go and say, I grew up listening to, like, I love Platinum Blonde. Standing in the Wow, dark. yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> You know, like there was a time in the 80s, I didn't even know half these guys were Canadian. I was listening to Brian Adams. I was listening Rush, to Rush, Brian Adams. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Gowan and 
AHA and all these different groups and stuff like that. I had no idea. But it would be great that if they were to go and let people know, because it's always great to go and show your influences in music. You know, like if you're a great singer, if you're a female singer, great to be like, oh, yeah, I grew up listening to Patti LaBelle and Whitney Houston. It would be great for these younger and new Canadian artists to be like, if they did, I'm not telling them what to say, but it'd be great if, if they did listen to a Brian Adams. Be like, yeah, I was listening to Brian Adams, Summer of 69. Man, my mom used to play that all the time. Got me into music. I love listening to Platinum Blonde. I love listening to Maestro Fresh West, Mishy Me, Dream Warriors, whoever you want to say, you know, Avril Lavigne, Shania Twain. It would be great if the Canadian artists would go and acknowledge the Canadian artists before them. Because right now, Canadian artists are like, it's not a Canadian artist situation anymore. It's just like, they're just big artists. That's true. And it would be I great know. for them to go and be like, yeah, you know, I'm sure they have American influences. Everybody does. But it would also be good for them to ignore because then it bigs up the people that were here. And it's always good to big up your home because the home is where, you know, the home is where it made your bread. Like, you know, it made your, wherever you went in the world when you came back to Toronto, Vancouver, Ottawa, Shenanana, wherever it is, <laughs> came back to, they always showed you love and stuff like that. And I think that should happen a bit more. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And you know what? Before we go, I just wanted to quickly talk to you. You've got a great new music video out. I absolutely love it called One Day Away. You know what uh, you wrote? Did you write the song? Uh, how did the music video kind of come to, come about? Well, um, okay. So uh, before we go, I want to say much love to Classified. Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, East Coast. Another great Canadian guy. Yeah, you know, uh, Classified. We did a really great tour a couple of years ago with me, Classified, and uh, Maestro Fresh West called the Canadian Classic Tour. I believe, in my opinion, it was one of the best collaborative tours across the country that's ever happened. Oh, yeah. Three generations of Canadian hip-hop. You had, I grew up listening to Maestro, so there. Yeah, Class grew up to listening to Maestro and myself. And then there's Class. So we have three groups. Like I would go and meet people and I, when I would go and do shows and they'd be like, oh yeah, I'm here to see Maestro. I'm here to see Class. I'm here to see you. Three generations of hip hop, Canadian hip hop. And we would do shows. Now, you know, like sometimes you go and do shows and you don't go on stage or when you watch shows, you don't go, they don't go on stage till 11, 30, 12. You don't get oh, out of there. Till drives me, drives me nuts. Drives you nuts. Well, imagine for the artist because by the time the show's over, Oh, it's one, it's one forty-five. You think we could go anywhere and have like, you know, after party or something? They're obviously closed at two. And then you're done and then you're finished. These were like real legit shows where you went, doors open at seven, show started at nine, it ended at eleven thirty. Almost every night sold out shows by six o'clock, line up around the door. And we Where were you playing? Like name a couple cities. Where were you at? Uh, everywhere. We everywhere. Did, All right. We did like 20, I don't know. I, I might have the number off a little bit, but like 20 shows in 27 days. Damn. All across Canada. Every night, every single night, leaving at four in the morning to get to the city by two, four o'clock in the afternoon, do sound check at five, show starts at eight, finish by 11, tear down, whatever, leave in the middle of the night. Wow. But the, but the crowd response and everything was absolutely amazing amazing and if i i bet you if anybody out there that's watching and talks about uh went and saw us in one of the venues that we were and we weren't doing like little small clubs we were doing like convention centers and like places that held like you know 1500 and plus you know like we were doing big venues and anybody that came to one of those shows um 
and I've, I continue to continue to, to still hear it. They're like, yeah, that was one of the best shows that we went. And it was an absolute amazing show. And we went and did that. Okay, so I'm, I'm long talking. So no, it's, uh, good, it's good. It's good. It's um, good. But yeah, so we did that show. And uh, so that's history. It's history. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best tours in Canadian hip hop, all Canadian band hip hop tour that came across Canada ever, in my opinion, uh, till date. Um, so yeah, so me and class did it. So when we went after the tour, he said, yo, man, we had such a great time doing this tour. I want to go and work on a record with you. And I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, I'll produce it and you go and rap on it. I was like, okay. So in May of the year after, which I believe would have been 2019, yep. somewhere, so uh, was definitely not this year, but the year before mm-hmm. or the year before since we're in 2021. Um, I went to, I flew out to Halifax, went to his house for three days, Sunday to Wednesday, banged out nine tracks. In his house, three days straight, all I slept in his basement and he had a studio in his garage. So every morning at 10, him and his wife and uh, kids would cook us breakfast. We'd be in the studio from 10 till two and do it three days in a row. And we banged out all these albums. And then we did Hurt Everybody, which came out last uh, two years ago, November. Um, And then this summer we did Backdraft, uh, which we released. We came out and then just over December, we did One Day Away. And uh, the whole thing about going into that song, uh, which all came out and did really well and is doing really well. So much love to Classified and everybody, the whole Half-Life camp. Um, And then what came together with that was um, I just was writing a song. The song felt very compassionate and everything like that. And I just wrote a song. And then what we wanted to do with the video, I didn't want to do like a love video, like with the words saying something and relating it to the words. I wanted to contrast it. I wanted to go and sit there and be like, you can love somebody so much. But this is also the friction, like, you know, like she's mad at you. You guys get into arguments, you do whatever. So I remember telling Lee Solo, who shot the video, big up to Lee Solo. He did a backdraft and he did One Day Away. I said, all the stuff that's going on in the video, I want him to be fighting, arguing, complete conflict, contrast to what I'm actually saying in the song until we get to the end of the song. And then all that drama that's going on, I'll do it all for you. We come back together. And that was um, that was the idea. Lee Solo gave the vision to it and he put the direction to it and One Day Away came out and it's uh, I hear it from a lot of people they say I hear this song, I watch the video it gives me chills, it gives me chills on my thing so they're like it's such a great song they really like it and uh, and I'm happy for that and I'm happy that I was able to record it because to classify it and for the visuals Lee Solo for sure. Well if you ever hear the song or watch the video there's a scene that I love where he finds a note I'm not going to say what it says on the note nah. But it's fantastic. It's a great and it's a great idea. Um, you know, do me a favor. Where can the people find you? Instagram, Twitter. What's the handle? All right. So Instagram, you can find me at Instagram at uh, Shaclair Official. Twitter, it's just Shaclair. Facebook, it's Shaclair Official. YouTube, Shaclair Official. LinkedIn, it's Mr. Shaclair. <laughs> I know there's a bunch of keep it corporate. corporate. Yeah. 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 You can find me everywhere. I'm on the only thing that you may not find me on, which I'm working on right now is like the TikToks and the new stuff that are coming up. I don't really dance. I boogie. So that's why I'm not on TikTok. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's how much my movement is. (laughs) I posted two videos. One's of my kid eating, making a funny smile. And the other was, I did a call of duty snipe the other day. I thought it was hilarious. Ah, my son got like so many followers and I was like, wow, you got more followers than me on TikTok. He's like, yeah, dad, step the game up. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I, I am going to get on there. I'm working on all the other stuff, uh, you know. But, um, yeah, you can find me on all those things. Shockler Official. If anything, look up Shockler Official. 
I'm all over the place. And uh, come and check it out. I want you guys to go and check out One Day Away Backdraft. Look up, look me up on my YouTube. Like, comment, and subscribe uh, to everything. And we got a lot more music coming out. I'm just actually going into the studio to go and finish off some other stuff with some new people so we can have some uh, more music by the end of January uh, going into February. And hopefully... It'll take us into the summer when the pandemic is over and I can actually come out and see you in your city and go and party with you. on. Oh, I'd love to. I, I can't wait to see you live. And uh, again, once everything opens back up, really looking forward to the new music. I'd like to thank our guest, Shaw Claire, for joining us today. This is the first ever episode of Pop Topic. Thanks to our sponsor, Dr. T's in Barrie, Ontario. Got you covered for all your clothing needs. Thanks again to my producer, Maddie Huddle, for doing all the work behind the scenes. What up, Maddie I'm your host, Tyler Fines. Tune in each and every week. We're going to have new episodes, guests, conversation, movie reviews, everything, because I am bored as shit and I got things I got to talk about. This is Pop Topic and we will be back. Let's go. Thanks for showing up. This has been an FHN production. Listen to our new shows every week on Thursday on any podcast platform. Also, check out our live shows on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Twitch.